Welcome, everyone, to the TKW podcast. I'm Anthony Corbo, and joining me as I do every week is Kyle Maggio. What's going on, everybody? And we got Brian Gaberman. What's up, everybody? So, Kyle, I believe you might owe me a beer. You called the Laker game way in advance yep. two pods ago. Yep. Uh, I I laughed. I thought this was going to be just a, a horrible slide that was. I was wrong. And despite us even more, it was Mario Hizonia who did it, who um, during the game, Brian questioned leaving him in as we all actually did. But um, <laughs> Brian, Brian was complaining about it. And then uh, a, a Corbo victory. Hell yeah. Um, well, while spiting us with just Mario Hizonia was just yeah. the what a weird, sensational, weird, weird game. Uh, the next one, 119 to 112. Uh, the strangest part is they were up by 15 at a certain point in this game, too. Yeah, uh, yeah Lakers cut it to 63-59 by halftime, but Knicks ended up finishing out with the win. And like Kyle said, Mario Hazonia, like a burst of Croatian lightning, came out of the blue to uh, Score 10 points in 14 minutes off the bench. Cantor was helpful down the stretch too, much to Brian's disdain. He had a, a couple of, you know, he had eight big points in the fourth quarter. He even had some nice passes in there. So definitely a really, really strange win. What did you take away from it, Brian? Uh, mm, all right. So I'm going to be salty about it. I don't think, I don't think you should, this is one of those situations where I don't think you necessarily judge things by wins and losses and you take into account the context of how it happened. And I think if Fisdale coaches a different game, they could win that by 15 to 20 points and not be fighting about it towards the very end of the fourth quarter. Like, I don't think necessarily that necessarily that they won means he did the right things. Um, Noah Vonley was like a plus 12 in 17 minutes. Why, why did Noah Vonley only play 17 minutes in that game? How did the, I know he had some foul trouble, but he very clearly could have played. And the context that I'm talking about is you were able to get away with what they were doing, which was play the worst defensive lineup you could possibly put together with the entire roster was because the Lakers had no way to initiate possessions. There was no LeBron and no Kyle Kuzma. Those right. are their two best offensive players running your offense through Brandon Ingram and Lonzo ball. You're starting as a failure. You need to be able to play off other guys. And the Lakers had no situation, no players out there that you could actually play off of. And I think that's why everything really broke down for them. I'm going to say it did take, you know, I, I agree with you where, yeah, it, I don't know how much stock we could put into a victory that basically came on the heels of Ennis Cantor, Trey Burke, and uh, and Mario Hazonia, but the Knicks did desperately need this win. Like they desperately just needed that mental boost. Like you know, they had lost eight games straight, twelve of their last thirteen to come in there and break this up, especially on the West Coast trip where you know things have been pretty rough since the get. 
Uh, it's probably going to be pretty rough going forward from here, too. But I don't know. I needed that win, at least. I'm sure the players on the team did as well. There's a couple of games every time we're in a tank year or down year here where no matter the context of uh, the season, I just want the Knicks to always beat those teams. The Celtics are there. The Lakers, I don't particularly hate the Lakers. I just love beating the Lakers. Um, the Lakers are there. The Nets, I always want them to win. Um, I don't know if you guys ever feel that way too, but I, I just think some of those games are just fun as hell. And I know we're trying to tank it all and trying to better our odds, but uh, I'll, I'll take those victories anyway. Yeah, Nets, I, Nets and Celtics are probably the two teams for me there, but I feel you. The the tanking stuff is kind of overrated this year. I'm not. I don't feel as strongly about it because if you finish with the fifth worst record, it's ten percent, and if you finish with the one or two, it's fourteen percent, or nine per. I mean, I don't know. Somewhere in those, it really is flattened out a good amount. You just have to be like one of the four worst teams to have between a fourteen and thirteen percent chance of getting the number one pick. I understand the limiting the amount you could fall back, right? But it's, it's just not as important this year. as it has been in years past. So I don't totally grasp the freaking out about losing every single game. Yeah. yeah and, and, and the thing is the Knicks are like bad enough to, that they're going to lose enough games to be in that top five range. Regardless, you know, they don't like, I think that's why I don't get upset or, you know, this is why I don't mind getting a win like this when they desperately need it, because you know the with the odds being so evened out like this, they're they're a bad they're a young enough and a undeveloped enough team to the point where they're going to end up in the bottom five regardless. Yeah, and I don't think to both your points, I don't think anybody really took the time to point out in the beginning of the year that your best odds at the number one pick, like your greatest chances at a pick, is the fifth overall pick. You have like a 48% chance of getting the fifth overall pick. Nobody, nobody talks about that. Like they say like, oh, it's harder, but like nobody mentions the best odds you have for any pick is to get the fifth overall pick. Wasn't it like fourth with the old lottery odds? So it's not like that's even much different than in the past, but, a, but a coin flip to go to from having the worst record in the league. And then it being a coin flip to go to five is just like all the way down to five. That's just scary. Like the Knicks need a top two to three pick, right? I think we'd be thrilled if it landed anywhere in those. And then they have a 48% chance of being five is just terrifying to think about. I kind of think it's just one from what I understand reading about what other people are saying about college basketball. I don't have any opinion about this draft class on my own, but from when I, what I read from people who I trust, it kind of sounds like it's one. And then, you're kind of whatever for a good amount of time. Yeah, I, I mean, the thing is with like, there's already pieces on place with this next team where I'm not going to be too upset if we fall anywhere between one and five. Like there are, like you said, there there is a clear differential between the top guy and, you know, a couple guys below that. But there's still a lot of talent to be found in that, in that, you know, first those first five picks or so. So I, I've just... I'm going to be encouraged by wherever the Knicks fall along that way. I'm just more, um, I just more want to see some development out of the unit that we have together right now. And I think getting the, you know, the off win every now and then is definitely pretty crucial to them growing together and then, you know, welcoming in the next person who comes in at this draft when that time comes. 
Yeah, but you know the, the the thing with this game against the Lakers too is just yeah the Lakers scored sixty points at the rim, like or sixty points at the paint. There was just you know Cantor was helping out offensively at the end, but obviously there's nothing he could do there. Luke Cornett was pretty ineffective after his long stretch. Like this team just desperately needs Mitchell Robinson back to be able to protect that rim a little bit. Yeah, and they just ruled him out for um, the game on uh, against Portland tomorrow night or mm. tonight, rather, for everybody uh, listening. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's got to come back in the next couple of games. He got reevaluated on Friday and then uh, apparently again today for them to rule him out for tomorrow. But um, he, they, they, they really just need him. I think Cornette's done a commendable job trying to – play that role a little bit, but um, they they need him. Like, flat out, they need him. With Ian's Cantor on the court in the Lakers game, the Knicks had a 93 defensive rating. That has to be a record for his entire time on the team. That could be a career best for him. And there's all these rumors that are coming out today, which I've been really curious about, but I've heard, you know, they're saying that teams have been contacting the Knicks with interest about Cantor. I'm really interested to see, you know, where those reports are coming from. I almost feel like it's Cantor himself that are, that's kind of putting that out there uh, because he won't publicly say that he wants to trade, but he definitely does. And I think that he's starting to, you know, see the writing on the wall when it comes to Mitchell Robinson coming back and Luke Cornett kind of establishing himself in the rotation. Um, do, you, do you guys think that Cantor is trying to get out that badly? I think, I, yeah, I mean, I think he wants to play. I'm sure they're going to talk through it the next couple of weeks before the trade deadline here and um, figure out how they can do that. But I'm, I'm encouraged by like the Knicks mindset on this, to be honest. And it's not just like, I know a lot of Knicks fans dislike Cantor right now, but that's not really what I'm talking about. I just mean across the board with the vets. I like that. They've just kind of given them a seat and just kind of waved the white flag on them playing, so to speak, and just saying, Hey, look, like we're going to just try to move on from them, get them in better situations. And, um, you know, let the young guys develop. I, I didn't think it was going to happen like that, that extreme. So it's the, it was the easy, obvious thing to do, but the Knicks organization in the past hasn't always done the easy, obvious thing. When Kurt Rambis was the coach, Robin Lopez and Mello literally had to go to him and say, start playing the young guys. And they waited till the last like five games of the season to do it. So we've seen this situation last year with Jeff Hornacek and how long it took him to stop playing Jared Jack. This is stuff that's happened before, and it was obvious then that the Knicks should do it too. So even though it was a simple move, I also give them credit for actually following through with it. Yeah. Uh, again, I was just surprised by like how swift it was, but that's exactly what we all hoped for this year. We were worried with all those veterans, but it's it was the right thing to do. And like you said, the Knicks haven't often made that, so it's like a pleasant surprise. But I, I felt in a lot of... Um, other Knicks fans felt well, not a lot of a lot of other Knicks fans disagreed with me, but um, I thought he had value as an expiring. I thought if you're going to get any kind of an expiring player. At least he can give you some good minutes off the bench. You know, I thought he had real value, but um, I don't know if they're going to get anything substantial, but I, I didn't think it was just like a, a buyout situation. I thought they could have gotten something back, you know, and that's a bonus as it is. I just think his contract is a little too high for that. I, th- I think it's just, Everyone knows, I don't think it's any veiled secret around the league that the Knicks would rather Ennis Cantor not be on the roster right now. So 
I think they kind of realize that they can just wait the team out and then get him for free once he becomes available. I get what Kyle's saying, and in a very limited scope on a contract that's like two years, $6 million, I would grasp having Enos. I could I could understand having Enos Cantor on a roster in a situation where his order and where his spot in the pecking order is very clearly defined as not towards the top, and he's going to have to accept whatever role that team decides to give him. But in the terms of getting a return for him, it's just, it's hard to see what it, I've I've said this before, but if the Knicks change, if they have touched base with people behind the scenes and they know they're not going to get a big free agent this year and they take on a contract that goes past this season with a significant asset being attached to it, that makes all the sense in the world for an Enos Cantor trade in that perspective. But I just won't believe they're going to have that type of attitude change at this point. And even before the trade deadline, I'm, I'm, I'd lean more towards they're going to try and ride it out and probably try and get one of those max guys. I think it's going to get a little bit ugly uh, over the next couple of weeks with all this with the, you know, I, I, I think there might be a little bit of media games getting played between Cantor and New York and everything, but We'll have to see how that all ends up going down. Uh, speaking of the uh, veterans taking a seat, one of the other guys that has kind of got a couple of burn that we were talking about earlier was uh, Mario Hazonia. Fizdale's kind of had this uh, thing he's been doing this season, especially with the younger players that, you know, when he exhumes you from the end of the bench and you kind of show out a little bit, you end up getting some minutes. It kind of buys you a little bit of leash. Do you think there's any room for Hazonia to get any minutes on the uh, in the rotation moving forward? Nope. If you're if you're willing to only play two of the centers, and he because he played well, I, I'm giving him trouble. I was but I liked how he attacked. He had the one terrible air ball three, but he played a decent game. And he swatted the life out of. Brandon fucking Ingram, the life out of yes, him. Yes, he did. Oh, good lord. Oh my, and he waited, and he waited for it. That was the best part. Mm-hmm. He, he timed it so perfectly that when Ingram tried to adjust, he just he just kept this hand is, in the air. You see this for this guy? You're like, where did that come from? <laughs> it, it was, it, I think, it, and it led uh, it led to a foul on the other end, and you know, so I mean, that's that's exactly the type of play that you would hope he could make, and uh, he's just inconsistent. But yeah, uh, continue, Brian, because he was he was good. No, but Kyle Kuzma is the Lakers best young player, right? Like that's a real thing. Listen, so there's no answer that we can say right now. That's going to like protect us because if we say Kyle Kuzma uh, and in whatever comments or people, they're going to tell us that um, he's inefficient. Well, not inefficient, but he's not a good defender. He's so bad defensively that uh, it, it, it cancels like the Cantor thing, you know? Because I've seen that a lot on like the advanced stats Twitter. Is Kuzma that bad on defense? I'm honestly at, like I, I apparently, and I don't watch a ton of Lakers games. I've seen honestly maybe eight games this season, but apparently he he rates really poorly. So while I think Kuzma is the best player because the most important skill in the NBA is being able to score, and if you can do it efficiently, then that's a even bigger plus. But you know, Lonzo doesn't do enough consistently 
And Ingram is just a very, very strange player. Um, I, I would go with Kuzma. Kuzma shooting 58% on twos this year and has a higher effective field goal percentage than he did as a rookie when he shot 36% from three. And he's dead. He's dropped to 30% from three this year. If his three point shooting evened out, like he'd be having a crazy efficient year. He's a, he has a 56 true shooting percentage and he's shooting 30% from three. Like that's a wildly good offensive season. Okay, here's the thing, though. We can't be uh, talking about the Lakers young players until we talk about our own young stud, Kevin Knox, <laughs> taking home Eastern Conference Rookie of the Month honors. Uh, Knox, obviously, very well deserving of it. He put up 17.1 points per game in December, uh, played over 34 minutes a game. He shot 38% on threes. Uh, and the, the thing that got me about him the most in December was that he put up 15 point four shots a game and compare that to the 7.9 he put up in the 16 games he played in November and at the end of October before that that just him gunning out there taking his shot and you know whether it falls whether it doesn't like just seeing him put up that many shots I think it's the biggest thing that improved with him in the course of December the touch knocks had on that floater in the fourth quarter was amazing He's, I love, we did that highlight video of him with the floater and there's something about like just him, like his size, his frame, being able to do that, especially being only 19 years old. Like it just makes me very happy. Like it, it's a very reassuring feeling for me to know that he has like an advanced offensive skill like that in his bag. Like again, at that size so early, I just feel like that's super important and he's got a good jump shooting form. And I think that's going to you know, being a really effective tool, but like seeing that more difficult guard like skill, I, I just really, really enjoy that. Was that the first one he's put off the glass intentionally? It's a good question. I don't know that I've seen them go off the he's he usually short arms him is the problem because he always like he tries to put like the extra touch on it. So normally he's like he's short on it. So I, I think that might have been the first one or the at at worst the second one off the glass. I remember, I think, one off the glass, but he was straight on, and I don't think he did it intentionally. That one was from a little to the side, and he very clearly wanted to do that, and the touch to do a shot like that is very difficult. Okay, do you guys know how many games the Knicks won in December? Two. They won two. They won two games in December. Do you know how many they lost? Uh, what do they have? Like 15 games. Okay. Well, the simple math, they lost 12. They lost 12, 12 games. They played 14 total in the 12 games that they lost. Knox was at 16.1 points. He, uh, put up 36.8, uh, or no, he put, he put up, where am I losing myself? 16.1 points. He put up 36% three point shooting. He played in like almost 40 minutes a game, but when he won, he put up like 40, he put up 23 points a game. He shot 44.4% from three in those two victories. When he's gunning, it's just, it looks so good for them right now. It's a small sample and everything, but in, the, in that month when, the, you know, those wins that they got, when Knox finally came alive, like as long as the rest of the team is clicking around him, he's going to lead them to a lot in the future, I think. 
you guys worried about his minutes? You think he's playing too much? And the only reason I'm going to say no, and I know a lot of people are pissed off about it, was we complained for how long about him not playing enough minutes or like them, you know, giving him more than like 15 or 20, even after he was healthy. Like he's actually playing and he's playing really well right now. And he missed like a quarter of the season, not like a quarter of the season, but well, yeah, about that for the amount of games they played so far. So yeah, I'd rather like, yeah, just keep giving him some run. He's he's 19 years old. You can play forever when you're 19 years old. And especially when you missed your first professional month, you know? So I, I think yeah. it's perfectly fine. I don't see an issue with it. If it's like two months of it, I'd be like, all right, maybe let's slow down. But um, while he's been that, hot and everything, like I, you know, when I was looking at some numbers earlier, he only played 18 minutes per game earlier in the season. And, you know, obviously a lot of that was him, tried to prove himself on the court and then there was a return from the injury and everything. But you know, since he's been scoring and everything, like it's a lot to bump him up that many minutes per game. But at the same time, he hasn't necessarily showed that he can't handle it yet. And like, you know, he's athletic enough. I think that he can kind of take a little bit of that and I don't know. He's running. He's, he's playing well right now. I would just keep doing what you're doing with him until he proves you otherwise. Um, one of the other young guys, though, from the uh, that we saw in the Lakers game for only a couple of minutes was Frank Nielakina. Uh He left the game with was it a leg injury? He left with a foot injury, but I don't think were they very specific about that. I didn't see an update on it. All I know is he's in a walking boot right now. I believe I believe it was his ankle. Ankle. And I think it's a, a like he has a tendon issue. Okay, it was. I know the oh, X-rays came back negative. He's day to day right now. And they changed it from a tendon issue to just your sprained ankle. Okay. In the, in the latest update is what they said. So not a lot of, uh, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily concerned for Frank in the long run, but it's a bummer seeing him go down right now. Like, I just want to see him playing and getting minutes and stuff, and him losing minutes again to Trey Burke and Alonzo Trier at the one while he has to sit out. If he has to miss any games, it's going to be quite the bummer to, to watch. Yeah, I, I was... Obviously, we weren't hoping for a Frank injury, but, you know, he had a pretty good game in Denver, which was encouraging because they have some tough uh, wings and and guards that he would have to match up against. And, you know, the the Jamal Murray's, the Gary Harris's and um, he I thought he had a really good defensive game, as we talked about in the last pod. And I think he had 10 points, five assists. And I was I don't know. You know how his confidence is. And normally he gives you a couple of those games in a row after that. And I was hoping to see that. But. Really unfortunate, and it comes at a time when we were hoping like everyone would be healthy. You know, Mitch was coming back um, relatively soon, but you know, now we're going to be missing uh, both for Portland, so that kind of stinks. But hopefully, hopefully he's okay. I don't think it's going to be that serious. It makes watching Burke easier. I don't hate Burke in terms of how he plays as much as others. When Frank's not playing, it's more just a. Uh, he shouldn't be prioritized in that situation. So I'm letting him get a couple games here to play and see maybe he can generate some trade value. If he has a three or four good shooting games in a row or something or something like that, and you can get a second round pick for him. Do you? Yeah, I, I would say that's probably the course. Do you think we're going to be seeing a lot more Alonzo Trier at point guard right now? He did. He barely played in the Lakers game. He only played nine minutes. He didn't. Uh, he only scored two free throws. Didn't make a field goal. Um, 
do you think kind of switching him around to giving him a little bit more space and time with the ball in his hand could help Alonzo Trier get back to his uh, form a little bit, Kyle? Um, I think you got to switch it up a little bit. You know, they've kind of let Trier do the same things that he was doing before the injury and kind of let him work himself back in. But um, I always think it's beneficial to get guys different looks, you know, so I, I, I don't know. I, I'd be fine with that. I think I'd maybe ask him to get out, out of his funk. I, I wouldn't put more responsibility on him. I'd maybe dial it back a little bit and try and have him do some stuff with some more quick decision-making rather than surveying the court as much as he does and see if that can help him. Like, hey, kick the ball to you, catch and shoot, attack, or move the ball and see if he can get a rhythm like that. And then if he can get going like that again, kind of give him some more freedom with the ball handling, or maybe it just, maybe he just snaps out of it. Eventually that could always happen too. I'm hoping so. It seems like it might just be his, you know, rookie slump moment right now. And, uh, you know, we saw, we saw that from Porzingis. We've seen that from a lot of different players in the past and on different teams, and everything like that. Like, these guys struggle after a couple of games like this, especially getting used to the the length and the travel and everything with the NBA schedule. So hopefully Trier, you know, at, with the new year coming on and maybe even after the all-star break, he can uh, be fully back to his form and be able to, you know, be putting up the numbers like he was at the beginning of the year. Um, did you guys have anything else you wanted to talk about from the last couple of games before we looked at the upcoming schedule? Um, Moody is kind of leveled out, you know, like he's not really playing like shit, but he's just kind of middling now is one thing I noticed the last couple of games. Yeah. He's kind of blending in a little bit more. It seemed lately, you know, he played okay in Denver, but, uh, it took him the, he didn't score a point in the first half against the Lakers. It took him until the second half to really get going. And then it kind of seemed like almost a lot of other players performances overshadowed him. But, uh, yeah, he's just kind of blending in more so in my eyes now. I think the I'm, I'm trying to look it up, but I'm guessing the shooting at the rim's taken a dip recently. It seems like he's missing a lot of layups again. And that's where he needs to he needs to be better. Yeah, yeah he's down, he's down to 50 percent in the restricted area again. Mm. That had to be, I would guess, 53 to 55 percent not too long ago. So that's headed in the wrong direction in the paint and the mid range. He's still, he's still creating space and he's still making that shot. As long as he does that, he can get away with not finishing at the rim. Right. It's great. But if once that starts, if that stuff starts to dip, then if he's still missing his laps, it really becomes a problem. And instead of these like 13.15 shot games, you're going to be looking at like nine, eight to nine point 12 to 13 shot games. And those are a lot more. That little difference is harmful. He doesn't really get to the line as much as other players do either, especially you know, with the, with how he has a tendency to go to the rim like he does. And even if he's missing, he just doesn't necessarily take a ton of contact. So he's not going to really get those points in other ways either. Um, but yeah, I guess uh, we'll have to see how he plays tomorrow night against Portland. Uh, the Knicks are on the road for that one still. Uh, and they will conclude their West Coast trip on Tuesday against the Golden State Warriors. 
and then we can all finally go back to bed at a decent time again. Um, looking at the Portland game, obviously we're, we're probably not going to have Frank. We obviously don't have Mitchell Robinson now. It's going to be a defensively challenged game. Vonley, I think, might have a little bit extra pep in his step going back to play the team that drafted him. But uh, I have a feeling that it's going to be pretty hard for the Knicks to contain Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum tomorrow, don't you guys? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, they had an impossible time trying to stop him when he, they came to the Garden earlier this year, and that was actually a very exciting, very, very good game. That was... Uh, in that initial stretch when I kept playing really well against good winning teams. So I think that was actually the first game of that streak, but I, regardless, um, yeah, I mean, I, I was hoping for more of the same. It's going to be weird without Frank. Obviously you, you don't want to play a team like that. Who's so strong on the perimeter with Dame Lillard and uh, CJ McCollum and, and not have one of your better perimeter guys. But um, I, I think, I think we're in for a blowout, basically. This one, I think this one could get ugly, too. They're going to need that like that stretch of where they banged a bunch of threes against the Lakers in the first quarter. You're going to need a solid like 32 to like 40 minutes of that against this Portland team. It's, it's about as bad of a matchup as you could find for the how this Knicks team is currently constructed. Yeah, definitely. The only thing that I'm hoping that, you know, it all obviously we're not going to have Mitchell Robinson, so we're I'm hoping we see a little bit more Vonley at the five because I want to see him challenging uh, Yusuf Nurkic a little bit. He's playing some of the best basketball of his career right now. You guys, have you guys seen the, the the numbers that dude's putting up right now? He's on one of my fantasy teams. Yes, I'm oh very well. God, dude, it's wild. I just all right, I pulled it up in the last six games. He's got twenty two point two points, twelve point five rebounds. 4.2 assists, 1.7 steals, and 1.3 blocks. <laughs> Dude, it's it's wild, and I'm not excited to see what he brings uh, tomorrow night either, or Monday night. Cornette better hit a bunch of threes <laughs> because Nurkic is going to eat him alive yeah, inside. If, he, he doesn't have the strength to deal with him. If his shot's not falling, there's no way he stays in the game. Yeah, you can. You're, you're exactly right. You can't play him without shooting, without him making threes in this game. It's kind of what we say. saw against the Lakers. I mean, you know, he went one for what was it, four for four or five or whatever it was. Like, and he just he just got eaten alive down there. So, you, you almost have to wonder if Cantor is a better matchup in that game, if they're gonna, you know, try to victimize Cornette like that. Because if there's one thing Cantor's decent at defensively, it's just bodying up in the post like Nurkic, like Sidhu. But the counter would be to that is they just pick go and roll to, to death. Yeah, you just pick and roll them to yeah. death. Lillard yeah. and Lillard and McCown, they'll just take wide open threes and mid range jumpers all game. Uh, it's tough. They, uh, they could pitch in this one. But hopefully, uh, hopefully we get both Frank and Mitchell Robinson back against the Warriors on Tuesday. That should be a pretty interesting uh, matchup. And by interesting, I mean we're probably going to lose. But it'll be something. Uh, just thank God they come back home after that, man. It has been it has been tough. I like the start times better. Yeah, because you live in Phoenix. And it lets me get home from work. I can even I can go run at the gym real quick. It's relaxing. Yeah. Yep. 
Yep. No, we get it. We know. I hate you. Like, look, <laughs> we'll give you this one week. Thank God none of these uh, none of these games fell on nights that we're podcasting on, though. Can you imagine? Like, I thought that the uh, Portland game was tonight at first, and uh, I thought we were going to start recording this thing at like 1130 at night. <laughs> or at my time even yeah it would be even later for poor kyle there yeah i would have just napped when i got home then <laughs> oh, <laughs> just woke up five hours later and just stayed awake through you know tomorrow night yeah <laughs> all right uh anything else you guys want to talk about tonight before we get out of here it's a short pod well yeah there's not a, a ton going on is the issue yeah we're, we're waiting on something to break. It's going to be, you know, early January is always kind of the quiet time, but the Knicks are going to come home soon. We'll get some buzz going back there. And then, of course, we have everything with 10-day contracts and buyouts and trade season upon us. So things are due to pick back up real soon, I'm sure. Um, but if that's about it, if that's all we got for tonight, Kyle, why don't you start plugging away over there? All right. Uh, you know, make sure you're, Checking the nickswall.com every day, you know, for our podcast. Our, every damn uh, day. Every damn day for our podcast, our original content, uh, our breaking news. Yeah, everything that you would need is here. So, whole team TKW. Uh, whole team TKW. So, just, you know, as always, as I'm sure you do, make sure you keep checking it out every day. Make sure you give this podcast a five star review. Uh, drop us a nice comment. Helps us keep doing this for you guys. So, we appreciate it. Uh, they have gone up exponentially so please keep that up we enjoy that um make sure you're subscribed to our youtube and our twitch comments away just, keep commenting yeah. those youtube comments we love to hear yeah. from you yep uh, after we after we mentioned you guys last time we had some really pleasant comments except for uh, you guys talking to brian which is great you guys but, love uh, brian it's great. you guys love brian so uh keep leaving the comments and um just make sure you follow us on you know instagram facebook twitter at the next wall and uh that's about it all right well uh thanks everyone for tuning in and we will talk to you all on wednesday night